we get into this week's episode of the podcast, you can follow us on our own social media accounts. All the links and details will be in the description. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Football Club Podcast. Special guest Momo here. We're with Jan. Okay, Jan doesn't want to speak just yet, but um, we have to get rid of Milan and Dim. Um, they're off arguing somewhere about the football, the intricacies of football. But this week we'll be looking at the the hottest topic in the world right now, not even just football, um, the European Super League. What do we think? Initial thoughts, Jan? Um, I think first time, I, I remember reading about this like a couple of months ago. Um, and you just think like, oh, it's kind of, something that's going to occur in the summer um you know you think pre-season you know there'll be the one of those where they do it in the states they'll do it you know maybe one year in china or some something like that and, and you think okay it is what it is you know it's not gonna have an impact and then that that sunday where you know that all these teams just randomly started signing up coming up publicly saying you're we're a part of it we're a part of it we're a part of it and then you know you start reading a bit more and you're thinking this just doesn't make any sense like you know you're absolutely just ruining the actual fabrication of just football and obviously the whole premises was that they had the fear factor that over the next i don't know 15 10 10 15 years that you know they they might not remain as the elite teams you know someone else might come in uh, and you know take their place Obviously, when, when you've seen or heard Perez's um, interviews, he's constantly, you know, talking about um, how these big teams can't compete anymore. Um, the reason why they can't compete is because they've built, well, he's built at Real Madrid an unsustainable model, paying probably about at least eight, nine players over the 300K plus, investing crazy amounts into, you know, stadium, player fees, whatever it is, agents, um, huge squad. Um, but because they're Real Madrid, um, they should expect to get more money in compensation to kind of continue on spending, which, which how, how the hell does that make any sense? And the same applies to Barcelona. So I think that's why those two teams are probably the only ones left right now. I think, like, reading about it, yeah, like you mentioned, it came out about four months ago when when I think it was Clock who was like, this is a complete no-go. And that's the first we really had mention of it, but there was no real um, structure behind it. There was no real information behind it. But I think now when it came out on Sunday and the 12 founding teams, as we should call them, um, want to go into a competition with no competitive integrity, no real, like... There's no real competition. I mean, it's stupid. And then to be to be financially set in a way that you can carry on these stupid spending habits that you know you've seen in the like you mentioned in Real Madrid in Barcelona, you know, arguably as well with PSG and Man City as well. Um, you can't. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Not just for them, but for the state of football as it is right now. I mean, you looked at this, the likes of Neymar and these are going for upwards of 150, 200 million pounds. 
And then all of a sudden, you know, there was like a sudden dip in inflation and then everybody realized we can't be paying these kind of fees anymore. So now they're trying to keep that, the ability to buy the best and keep the funds within themselves. But ultimately, I think it's just, it's the American plague on the beautiful game. That's the way I look at it. Um, you look at the MLB, you look at the NBA, you look at the NHL, um, you look at, what's it called? Uh, what's the other one? NFL. You look at any sort of American sport, it's all business-based. It's all based around marketing. It's all based around revenue and return. There's no, there's no sort of competitive in integrity. It's the same players in the same team, year in, year out, just playing the same thing over and over again. And I mean, look at the NBA. You have repetitive winners. Whoever's got the best players win. It's simple as. You look at the Lakers. They're probably going to win it this year again because they have the likes of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You know, you looked at the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Before that, you you know, you had Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade and LeBron. Whoever has the best players wins. There's no sense of competition. There's no, there's no miracle story. There's no Leicester City in the NBA. When's the last time you heard anybody out of left field come and win in the NBA? That's what they wanted to turn it into. They wanted to turn it into a system where they can garner the most attention, garner the most money and just keep it within, you know, within the family of the Americans. Um, that's my take on it. Um, but now we've seen it completely completely disassembled in front of our eyes. Yeah, I think, well, this is the issue, isn't it? I don't, like, football is the biggest probably global sport, like, hands down. The, you know, the money that is to be made or can be made is, you know, is, is crazy. You know, it's untouchable. I think the numbers that you see in Champions League finals, World Cup finals, Euro finals, whatever it is, you know, it's crazy numbers. Even a standard league game, like... Man United, Liverpool, or the El Clasico, whatever it is, you know, it's a rack up when Messi, Ronaldo is a rack up numbers of views. So you, you can you can tell in terms of the impact it has globally. And like you said, yeah, it is the American play. Um, they have no regard or in the sense of grassroots football. Um, you know, if this kind of went through, you would totally eliminate something like the championship. League one would be gone, league two would be finished, conference league would be finished, ultimately. You're, you're there creating a generation of fans that will never support their local team. Eventually, those stadiums will go null. They would have no income. Um, so you'll just have these so-called big teams around the country, and that's it. So you're, you're killing off the right at the bottom, the group, the grassroots of the, of the game. And either, how that would be done, you've got 300 million. That's what they were talking about in the first year. That 300 million, they'll put in the stupid stuff rules up. 45% can be spent on um, salary. 55% uh, can be spent on whatever they want to spend. That's 45% of 300 million. You're nearly talking about 150 million could be annually can be spent on salary. That's ridiculous. And then the rest of it can be spent on whatever. If I'm a football club, I could spend 100 million just on grassroots. And I would wipe out any club in and around probably 50 miles radius, like either way of, of me anyway. No one would touch me. If I've got 100 million to invest in grassroots, no yeah. smaller club would be able to touch. Like if you, took, if you look at Manchester, the only other team you've got there is Man City. 
and Man United, they would go toe-to-toe with one another. The likes of Blackburn, Bolton, Preston, whoever it is in and around the area, yeah. finished. You're wiped. You're good. You're done. Burnley, whoever it is, you're done. You're never going to see any player coming through your ranks. Even if one does maybe come through your ranks, straight away, they're going to snap them up. They're going to buy them up. And eventually what you'll have in five, six years' time, you're going to have these super squads that are going to be built. Like, like you said with the NBA, the players are going to be the same. Um, they'll probably increase this kind of um, squad size in eventually this is what will probably happen. You probably have like a 30, 40 man roster now um, where you'd see like, you know, the probably like so many amazing players just sitting there on the bench and then there'll be even more better players just sitting in the squad, not even playing, earning probably 250, 200K a week. Um, they don't care if they're not playing or not. They don't have no, firstly, there's no competitiveness because they're just playing same old, same old thing. Um, they can't get relegated from the ESL. Um, they're earning big boy money. So, you know, where, where are they going to go? The smaller teams, they can't buy them because they don't have the money to compete. They don't want to go there because they can't afford the salaries. So it's just, a, it's the most ridiculous and stupidest thing. I'll be honest with you, when it all came out, I was I was a bit sad, you know, I was like depressed for like probably like a day because football is something that you grew up with, you know, before you had before you had anything, you know, whatever you're playing, whatever you're playing on the road, it was football that was there, and so it's from from young age. It's kind of what you have till today. And when when you, when you see like what they were trying to do, they were literally just trying to take away everything. And you, I was literally there at one point contemplating, okay, football's gone. Um, what what what, do I, what what do I look to now? And, and the, you know, I tried, and there was nothing there. There was literally nothing there. And I was like, I'm going to, if this goes ahead, I'm just going to give up on football. I'm never going to watch it again. And, yeah. Um, thank, thank God, you know, it kind of um, got stopped at its tracks. Like you, I'm the same. When I, when it all came out, especially, especially with the way the day had already gone, me being an Arsenal fan, yeah, already watching the decisions that BAR had made against us in the Fulham game, you know, just the way Arsenal played, scoring a 96-minute winner and then running off and celebrating and not grabbing the ball, um, that had already pissed me off. And then to see them drop that statement in the evening, you, you've just beaten, you just been, you scraped a draw against 18th place Fulham. 18th place Fulham. Yeah, we're paying our players 200k a week. These guys are probably forking out like 30, 40k a week. And you're talking about wanting to be part of Europe's elite 12, a part of a European Super League. It, it, it pissed me off to no end. I was, I was on the verge of just taking everything that's Arsenal-related in the house and just putting it in one big pile and just setting it alight. I, yeah, I was yeah. done with football for the day. 100%. I think I'm happy that Cooler Hedge prevailed in the fact that you see the community come together because, like you said, it's something that we've all grown up with. The first thing you got when you were young was a, was a football. You were given a football and you'd go out, you'd play with your friends, you'd kick about. And, you know, you talk you talk about players like Marcus Rashford, you know, or like Bukayo Saka, Raheem Sterling. All of these people, they've come from, like, the further than grassroots. They, it was jumpers for goalposts back then. And that's what we grew up on and to see that almost diminished, it was just, it was, it was scary. It was scary. Yeah, 100%. I think one of, one of my friends was just there, like, um, he didn't really see too much of an issue of it, you know, because he was saying that the the big teams are going to dominate anyway. But 
there's no guarantee of that matter of you know fact you look at someone like Notts County um, or even like Nottingham Forest you know these guys were like powerheads back in the day you know now now they're not you, you see more money pouring into these kind of the so-called mediocre teams into the league you know Premier League team let's say for say you see Everton popping up you see West Ham coming up now Leicester doing so well you know these these are threats to the likes of the so-called top six. Um, and obviously that's a threat that they they don't like. So obviously if they're going to try and secure their place somehow, they you know that this league is the best way to do so. The issue that the the Spanish teams have got is that you know if you look at distribution of any form of broadcasting money, whatever it is, Barcelona, Madrid, kill it. You know no one touches them in terms of the the amounts. So you've probably got the team that's twentieth or the lowest that will probably earn something measly like 500k out of that whole year you, you're talking about you're playing in top division La Liga and uh, distribution of telecoms or you know in terms of TV revenue whatever it is and they're getting 500k and you know Barcelona and Madrid will be hitting like 100 million and then below them will be Atletico Madrid but even then that's like a politics game Atletico Madrid are not going to be able to touch the, the numbers that those two will the issue that obviously Perez has got that back in the day he could you know they would dominate spending you know they they had that phase where they bought Ronaldo Kaka um you know they spent like crazy amount of money in like one window prior to that they went through Galacticos you know they bought the Beckham Figo Zidane's all of those guys he wants to do that again he wants to have the power to do that again but because they're Real Madrid that's that's his premises that we are Real Madrid we should be able to do that but the issue is that the reason why you can't do it is because you've built an unsustainable model. That's that's simple facts, you know, as in, and, and the reason is that you've not created a competitive enough league. So no one wants to watch your league. That's why it's boring. You've got two, three teams that dominate and then you've got the likes of Sociedad, Valencia, Seville, you know, maybe tottering in and around. But those guys, they've never got a chance to win the league. They've never got a chance to win the league. Even how poor and shit those three are this year, there's one of them still going to win the league. It just shows the golf, you know, of the team. Serie A um, is similar. You've got Juventus that were killing it for like years. Years they were killing it because Inter and AC dropped, dropped off, died out and, and, you know, now they're kind of slowly rebuilding some, themselves. But the likes of Roma, Napoli, have they ever been close to winning the league? No, not in recent years. Are they going to touch it? No. Obviously, Inter and those guys have actually got some money. But that, that league is more interesting than La Liga. It's more competitive. You know, there's, there's more oh, teams in around trying to, trying to compete. Yeah. So, you know, he's there trying to justify that we are Real Madrid. We should be able to spend. Um, we, we want to go for another Galacticos. Uh, we want to spend. We want to buy Mbappe. Um, so we need 300 million. We need 400 million because we're Real Madrid. But your league's dead. You know what I mean? There's no competitiveness in your league. And if you look at Premier League, if you look at the wealth distribution, it's, it's probably the fairest that you probably got. Even if, if if Man United or Man City won, Liverpool won the league last year, um, this year, whoever wins the league, they're going to top the revenue scale. Yeah, It doesn't matter yeah. where you finish. And, and and that's how it should be. Even if you finish 20th, you're still going to get, and you get the top, bottom three, they get a care package going into the championship. Because which is understandable because they've given out these high salaries, 
um, you know, to players that are probably from the Championship to Premier League, which increments of maybe 40%. So some of them are going to leave, some of them are not, but you can't then, maybe some of these players have a contract where you reduce their salary by 25%, whatever it is, but still they've got a care package to kind of go down because whatever spending they might have done, you know, they've got like a safety net there. Yeah. The Bundesliga is probably the most kind of um, efficient run in terms of, you know, spending-wise, there's no kind of crazy money flying around. Salaries are not too crazy, but that just kind of defines the Germans in a nutshell. Yeah. I, the thing is, it's it's all fair and good being Real Madrid. Don't get me wrong. Real Madrid, hands up. Most successful team in Europe, we can all say, by far. I mean, what have they won? Like 38, 39 leagues. Well, they're on 13 Champions League. Fair enough. You're the most most um, dominant team, most successful team in Europe. Doesn't give you the right. Doesn't give you the right over anybody else. The fact that you're not performing in terms of your financials, your on the pitch, whatever it is, because you're not performing doesn't mean it's somebody else's fault. It's your fault. And that's the problem. It's it's greed. And as much as he wants to buy the likes of Mbappe and, you know, have the Galacticos back again and have that security where we're untouchable. Us 12, we're the 12 untouchable teams. I mean, okay, fair enough. You want to secure your spot. Everybody wants to secure their spot. But footballing integrity comes first. The integrity of competition comes first. If you're not the best on the day, you put your hands up, you shake your opponent's hand, you say, well played, best team won on the day. Okay, maybe some decisions went went against you, whatever. Maybe off the pitch, some financial decisions go against you. Ultimately, you can't sacrifice what somebody else has for your gain. And that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to sacrifice the rest of the leagues you know, all of the lower leagues in all of these countries for the sake of themselves. And let's look at it, you know, in, let's look at the six that we know of, we know more information of, which is the six British teams, yeah? American, Joel Glazer, yeah? Head of Man, the owner of Man United. Stan Kroenker, American, you know, owner of Arsenal. The owner of Tottenham is Arsenal. Um, Chelsea's Roman Abramovich is the uh, owner, but it's run by, I don't know, some American Donny, Bruce Buck or whatever his name is. Um, You look at wherever, like I mentioned before, it's the American plague on a beautiful game. But let's not forget what started this. This happened 30 years ago as well, um, when the Premier League came and took over from Division 1 and cemented themselves as the top league in the country and that's what it was and we see that happening with UEFA and you see that happening with FIFA I mean right now we're in a state of where football is at its worst 100% the amount of corruption going on um, the likes of BT Sky and all these uh, these distributors of the of football um, saying that we're the we're with the fans, but you're not, you're not with the fans. 
during pandemic, you tried to charge us 15 pounds to watch Sheffield United versus Burnley. You're not with the fans. The, the reason why they've they done it free, and obviously they allowed, obviously, the presenters to have a free room on that, was because there was rumours of that DAZN, they took the deal. The zone. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, that kind of makes sense, you know, because they've not got a slice of the cake. So yeah, you know, they're they're feeling like yo, you know what we've we've missed out big time on this. So we we've had this from day. Obviously, not not saying that I think um, that Sky haven't done a good job because before that the football wasn't commercial. You know, we used to play on the Queen's Rule. Uh, I think twelve o'clock on the back yeah. the twelve o'clock on the midday. Yeah, and and that was the Queen's Rule. And obviously, unfortunately. Um, it's not feasible, but especially back then and even till today, you probably can't follow as many games as you want. And obviously when the TV rights and broadcasting or Sky started coming into it, they started shifting the fixtures around, making it a bit more feasible. Like on Saturday, you still have a hefty amount of 3 p.m. games. Obviously because of the pandemic, these games are now available. Not These games should have been available a long time before anyway, because that, that rule or that kind of law by the Queen was, which still runs, in my opinion, it's outdated. You know, you, you want to make it commercially available for people to watch on TV. But at the same time, the reason why they've protected that is because they want people to go into stadiums and watch. Yeah. But th then again, the issue with that is that people are having to pay extortionate prices to get into the stadium. So you've got kind of like a little catch 22. So th there needs to be some sort of kind of compromise from Form. one side to the other and you know for, for for a whole fluid system to work um but but yeah like if you look at some of these stadiums prior to when sky and sky came in because obviously bt wasn't even around back then yeah quite recent they've started taking some premier league games or whatever they've, they've been taking um you know a lot of these stadiums and stuff they were like derelict you know they were they were poor um, you're looking at probably like world war ii times you know they'll finish some of them you know the, the area was absolutely Mullard, nothing going around. You know, now they've had this kind of new money coming in um, and they're able to reinvest that money, you know, build, um, modernise their stadiums. And if you look at the majority of UK stadiums, I think we've probably got the best in terms of the world, in terms of infrastructure. Um, there's, there's obviously a couple of stadiums out there that are extremely old um, that do need an update. But, you know, the, the vast majority are at a very good standard, you know, where you can still you are happy with what you're getting. Um, so, you know, that TV revenue side was, it's, it's a debate, but still, um, I don't feel like it's too much of an issue. Obviously, you've seen the new UEFA format um, with the Champions League. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, even with that, I, I don't, I, it's basically just the, the Super League, but UEFA's version. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. All teams in what was it? Ten teams in in each. Yeah, uh, so they've got two leagues. Two and then, leagues. Yeah. yeah, and then the top two from each go. The top four from each go into quarterfinals, and then into semifinals, and then into finals. I mean, it makes it interesting, but I like the format as it is right now. I mean, I I've never had an issue with the way the round-robin style that we've had for the Champions League ever. I mean, we have, uh, what was it, 12 or, um, sorry, eight 
uh, eight different leagues of four teams. Yeah. Then following that, you go into round of 32, round of 16, quarterfinals. That knockout, that two-leg knockout cannot be topped. It cannot be topped. I'm sorry. Having a point system, I'd, I, I probably will stop watching Champions League if it goes down that, down that route. Because it's like watching the Premier League again. I'll probably just tune into the, to the quarters and the semis and then call it quits. Because what's the point? What you tune in for is two teams, the best, two of the best teams in Europe going toe-to-toe to knock each other out. Simple as. Over 180 minutes. If you don't have that, you don't have some of the moments we've seen. You don't have the Barca coming back and beating Bayern 6-1. You don't have the corner taken quickly, Origi moment. You don't have that. You have another nil-nil people playing out for draws and because it suits them better and then you don't want to finish first because you don't want to play fourth because maybe Real Madrid is in fourth so you you sit out a game or you just you set up so you don't it's just it's going to leave so many it's going to bring so many like dull moments and dull games the quicker it's done out of the league into knockout it's better that's why the FA Cup is, I, I would say FA Cup is one of my favourite tournaments because you tune in and you know my team's either in it or out by the end of this afternoon. FA Cup is, is dead to watch for like, until it gets to like fifth round. Because obviously nah, you've, got nah. the, you've got the lower league teams and it, the problem with the FA Cup is they don't, they don't even Europe, the Carling uh, Cup as well, they need to Carabao do... Cup. Uh, sorry, yeah, the Carabao Cup. They need to forget the replay. You just go into yeah. the game, the final. I want to see it, it. Time penalties done. End the game. But and they have done that. They have done that. No, but like that was only because of the pandemic last year. Yeah, that just squashed the games and stuff. That that was the only reason. Obviously, the other reason is that, say, for example, it's Man United versus Burton. Man United are playing Old Trafford, and now Burton are playing. Um, now they've taken them to a replay. Burton get the home game. There's the, obviously yeah. the benefit of TV revenue for Burton there, so that's yeah. a benefactor for them. So obviously they do miss out on that element, which obviously I understand from that perspective. But um, it it does kind of jar it out for me. I'll be honest with you with that that process. If they can kind of maybe figure out a system where even if it's played at Old Trafford or even if it's played at Burton. Um, you know, they figure out some sort of ratio depending on what team it is, what league they're in um, compared to the, the other team. So say if Man United Premiership and they're playing someone in League One, they'd have a ratio system where the team in League One would get the, maj- the majority of the match revenue, whatever it is, wherever it's played. There's some yeah. sort of there anyway, you can figure it out. So it eliminates that factor that um, well, obviously the club they'll want to take it back home because they want to. They'll see that extra income, and that extra income will probably be, be about three months worth for some of these teams. But putting that all aside, do you prefer the league format or a knockout format? See, I, 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 this this format, I knew it was it would happen because um, this is kind of what they've done in cricket, like World Cup as well. So they've kind of split into two leagues. It's not boring. Um, it is fun. It is fun to watch. Um, um, it does make it kind of entertaining because you are playing 
more frequently with the other teams. Like, fair enough, let me give you an example. You've got Champions League. There was probably two draws. I mean, there was probably two groups, one of which shouldn't have been any, have, have had any entertainment, but did somehow. And the other, obviously, was a benefactor. You've got the one that had Man United, PSG, uh, Leipzig, and obviously had that Krasenborg team. The other one was Real Madrid, Atalanta, Inter Milan, Borussia Modern Gladbach. That one probably should have been, Real Madrid should have just cleaned it. And then you probably would have had one team out of the three kind of fighting it out. And then eventually you had four out of four teams on that group fighting it out. But the rest of the other groups, they are absolutely dead. You don't even want to watch them. Man City get the deadest teams year in, year out. They end up playing the crappiest team. He ends up rotating all these players because, um, you know, he's playing the worst, worst of the worst teams out of them. You know, it's just easy for them. So they'll, they'll, they'll play five games. Oh, sorry, they'll play six games, top the group, done, uh, rotate. And then, then it starts getting entertaining after that. But Okay, that whole... so here's a question. You have they're, they're proposing 36 teams, yeah. That's 18 teams in each each side of the league, yeah. So that's 17 games they're each gonna play. Yeah. Yeah. That's 17 weeks. Let's say out of those 18 teams in each side, yeah, seven yeah. of them are good. You, you you play twice, I think. So you you're telling me they can okay, fair enough, they play twice, yeah. You're completely diminishing everything like that Champions League is about. You know, you you walk out, you hear the Champions League music, and it's it's go. That's it. You're trying to win. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a league takes away that that factor. You're gonna be playing. Okay, let's say you play each other twice. Yeah, there's 18 teams in each league. Let's say you have a top 10, which are good. Those play each other. But you also play the eight crappy teams, yeah? Out of the 38 week uh, game weeks that we have, there's going to be at least 20 of them which are crap, yeah? Yeah. Your, your team's going to be fatigued. Man United are going to be fatigued. If you're a United fan. You don't want to see your team playing week in, week out. You don't want to see your team playing two leagues, yeah? I'd rather see Arsenal play once every two weeks in the Europa League have a knockout game, win that, play play a second leg, win that, and done. You'll move on to the next round. Don't want to see them playing another league. The it to me it doesn't make sense. You're sacrifice okay, fair enough. You have six game weeks and you have something good to watch. All the teams play at the same time. But would you rather have six game weeks or thirty eight game weeks where half of them are crap? Yeah, the the, the thing is with that, um yeah, I don't agree with like this kind of eighteen team format. Um, let's 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 pull it up properly. Let's see what it is. Let's see. Let's see what comes up. Okay, here we go. 32 teams expands to 36. Group stage replaced by a league, but you only play 10 of the teams once. Yeah? Teams who finish 
who finished 9 to 24th will play a two-legged playoff tied to progress. The group stage's biggest battles will be the race for 8th and 24th. And then the last 16 carries on from there on out. It, bro, it don't make sense. It's overcomplicated. Just play each other, go out, have two legs, knock each other out. I want to see Roma. I want to hear uh, Manolas, the Greek god in Rome. I want to hear shit like that. I don't want to hear... Uh, it, it infuriates me because this is what we've had since day one of the Champions League is how mm. it's been. There's never been anything wrong. Have you ever sat there and thought Champions League this week? I can't be asked. No, no, definitely not. Never. Because there's always something to watch. Regardless, there's always something to watch in the Champions League. Group there's stage, always based by league, you play 10 of the teams once. Two teams that don't qualify through the domestic league but have the highest UEFA coefficients will cut will qualify this season that would have been Arsenal and Spurs um, I don't care I don't want Arsenal in the Champions League because we're going to get dusted in this league the, it doesn't top, make sense the top 8 teams qualify for the last 16 teams who finish ninth to 24th will play a 2 legged playoff tied to progress well, I don't get that. Top teams qualify to the last 16, 8. So basically, one through the rest. eight fill out one of the one those eight games, in it? Yeah. Each one of them goes into the eight games. And then, like, ninth will play 24th, 10th will play 23rd, and then they all go into a pot. And this then is, this is a one-league thing. Yeah. It, but it's just, it doesn't make sense. Think about it. How do you ultimately so imagine playing two more games if you think about it? Yeah. But how do you how do you choose which of those ten teams you're gonna play? Well, Let's say you're you're united, yeah, and you get ten dead teams. What do you do then? Well, this is this is it. Um how do you regulate it so everybody's fair? You can't just. I think, I think this will have more changes. This is not going to be the kind of um, pencil nitty gritty of it. I think. I don't know. This will have like um, some changes to it, I think. Yeah, I, it, that doesn't really make sense. I, I would split it into two. I wouldn't do one, I'd split it into two. And then you've got 18, 18, let's say. If, if, that, if they want to go with 36. The, the reason is why they've gone with such a big number is that they've had to create a third league to distribute more wealth into these lesser teams. Yeah. So you've got the Champions League, you've got the Europa League, and you've got the Europa Conference League that they want to, that, that they want to bring out. So instead of that conference league, no one is going to watch because Europe yeah, exactly. are only starting to watch now because the Champions League is so competitive. You've seen the likes of United, Arsenal, all of these boys in the Europa League so often now. And obviously what they're trying to do is they're trying to win the competition to get into the Champions League from the Europa. So it's a spectacle to watch. And obviously you see some other teams in there like your Ajaxes, your aromas and stuff like that that are in, they're in the Champions League again dropped out and they're in that kind of that kettle of fish but now 
if those are the teams that you've got in Europa League, what kind of bloody teams are you gonna have in the conference? The conference. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have like you're gonna have a semi-final of like Malmo and like Zagreb and then another one of like someone else. Bro, ain't no one gonna watch that. Ain't no one gonna watch that. And then so from their perspective and from the money wealth distribution, I understand what they're trying to do. So what they'll do if they've they've added in more teams onto this and for the Europa League, they're gonna make that more add more teams onto that as well. So that will remain competitive as well. Instead of having to add the third competition. Third league, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so and obviously ultimately I think the aim or the goal is there. I don't think it's well executed at the moment. But this doesn't this doesn't go effective until like 2024, 2025. It needs work though. It needs yeah, work. I think hopefully, fingers crossed, they will change some things around to kind of revamp how it's done because ultimately it needs to be split into leagues. Um so even even if even if you think about it, if even if they're done three leagues, three leagues of eight, yeah. Yeah. Um, not not even eight, bro. It's like three three leagues of twelve, and you just three leagues of twelve. You just play. Yeah. The, you just add one extra more game instead of playing ten. You play eleven. You play everyone. You play everyone once. Or even if you want to, if you want to do four, 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 four tables. Four nines. Yeah, yeah. exactly nines, and you and you play everyone eight times. Yeah, it's it's more fluid and more entertaining to watch as well at the same time. The the thing is, do you know what it is? It it's comfort. You know, when you come home on a Tuesday night or you like, you call up the boys and it's just, it's comfort. And what the, what, what this ESL has done and what this new proposal have done is it's challenged us where we thought we would never be challenged. When have you ever, football has always been a mainstay the way it is. Yeah. We've always thought about it the way it is. You go into any game, uh, and you can win and you can lose and there's consequences yeah the ESL took away consequences now with the changes to the Champions League okay they're trying to modernise it trying to distribute the wealth within the lower teams and more evenly throughout Europe and so on which I understand which is needed um, but it challenges what we're comfortable with and what we're, what we're yeah, used that, to that's just like human nature humans never like change anyway it's just kind of built in our Blood, you know, any form of littlest change, complain. Yeah. But I think some of these kind of changes, they they are good. Like I'll be honest with you, sometimes I, I, I don't like. I'm a massive, still like yourself, massive football advocate. But I won't watch some of the Champions League like weeks. I'll just kind of hover over it. Or I'll watch. Yeah. It. You know, you, you're there just looking at the score. Like if anything happens, you've got all these applications that like, give you the the buzz. So you, you don't really mind. There's no there's no kind of like time allocation for me in that day now. You know that I need to watch that game. You know, yeah, it's something for me. But the reason being is there's too many dead games in that first group stage period, and all it is is just a squad rotation. People are just rotating their squads with the league, and that's literally all it is. That's literally all it is. But I I, I would want um, I like this. But it needs more tweaking. I think they need to add more. There can't be one league of 36, bro. That's stupid. And you only play 10 of them. How do you pick which as a fan, As a fan or even a club, bro, like you're going to be there calculating possibilities, yeah? And there's going to be like 
20 possibilities, maybe 20 teams that potentially can jack your spot. You know, if this team really beats this team, that's just ridiculous. But how are you going to watch? How are you going to catch up with all that stuff? Yeah, it's going to be like too much. Sometimes now, and you see like an uneven mess of games, one team's played 31, one team's played 32, and you're thinking, like, right, if this team beats this team, this team will go up there. But now, if this team's playing against this team, if they lose here, you're thinking, bloody hell, like, that's, that's pretty 20 teams. Now you believe yeah. add like another extra league onto that, extra 20 onto that, and you're thinking that's going to be even more manic. That is. So it is, it's stupid. It, people are not going to be able to follow. It's, it's, too, it's too crazy to kind of follow in one. But I think um, it would be interesting to see, obviously, all these kind of owners and stuff putting like these um, apologies out. A lot of them are generic. Obviously, they've probably been written by someone else. They don't have no meaning to it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what, what what what's the kind of next turn for a lot of these guys because I think they were trying to add some more revenue to their club or more revenue to their pockets. Obviously, it's been kind of cut out that, that yeah. process now. And um, what are they going to do? Are they going to try and look to sell it? Like, you know, what, what's, what's next? Oh, like, I mean, we've seen rumours coming out that one of the top six teams in in the UK in in England is looking to sell and rumors are that you know it's United and the Blazers are looking to sell off and FSG are looking to sell off and Stan Kroenke's looking I mean everything at this moment is just speculation. You can't really you can't really say for definite that this is gonna happen or that is gonna happen. But I think it's I think it's good. I mean it's something that it's a very, it's been a very dark couple of days in football, but it's been a purge that we needed. Um, hopefully, it drives out those who are in it for the wrong intentions. For example, me being an Arsenal fan, I would love for Stan Kroenke to get the hell out of my club. I don't want anybody from his bloodline from now till the end of time anywhere near my club. Right. That, it's, if, they're, all, if, they're all the same. They're all the same. The they're all money. the same. They want yes. they want money and they don't want anything else. They don't understand. I mean, even looking at the stories coming out of Joel Glazer, he didn't even understand the offside rule till like four years into owning Man United. And even still, he says, I don't really understand it. Bro, There's no... They're probably the worst out of the lot. You know, they if it if it let's put it this way, there was like they bought the club on kind of leverage debt. They yeah, eight hundred million pound deal. Um, they put two hundred million of their own pocket, and they put six hundred million on debt. That debt was there to be played paid off, not off their own by by the club. That was the club's debt. The, the club had no debt, so. On top of that, they were paying themselves every year a dividend structure of like, I don't know if you've seen their bloody family. This guy, bloody Avram Glazer, I think he's gone now, but man popped out like 10 kids, bro. He's got like eight sons. Oh, you look at the chairman's list, there's like 20 of them, bro. Yeah, yeah man. Bloody hell, man. This man's just built an army here, bro. Yeah, bro and, he, and this uh, Joel Glazer, he's bloody like 67 years old. Yeah. You're thinking, what age did you start popping this out, bro? You must have been like, and, and, and it just it's just a whole dynamics and everything. Like, I think there was early, early days. I think Alex Ferguson had to go in court 
you know, I think his job was at risk. Imagine if they got rid of Sir Alex back then, they would have been they would have been literally driven out of the country within about two minutes of that happening. Sir Alex took a lot of pressure off them. They did not give the club any money to spend because of the debt. You know, so there were years where we were making shit signings, Bebe, bloody some crappy players for time, like Valencia, like we sold Ronaldo. We just spent 16 million on Valencia. That was it. There was no money, big money signing. Yeah. You know, and then after maybe that one random season, he'd get like 30 million to splash on like Berbatov. You know, some random, some something random like that. You know, he had crap squads. He survived or he took a lot of pressure off them to, you know, got have no pressure on them. And then obviously, if you look at the other side, if you look at Arsenal, Arsenal's where the story went the other way where, you know, the pressure kind of, they weren't winning the leagues, you know, didn't have money to invest. And obviously this kind of constant flex of stadium debt, stadium debt, stadium debt kept getting thrown around. And obviously Wenger was in the middle of it because he was, people assumed that he had money. He didn't get to, he wasn't spending it off his own back. So, you know, that there was a lot of factors there for that. But, you know, I think these things have been going on for a long time. They should have, from day, you know, they kind of had a, like a system in place of uh, checking out these owners of what, what they're doing. I think ultimately, if you look at some of these clubs, they're like probably hundreds of years old, man. Some of them, plus hundred. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal being 100 and what, 128, 130 years old. Um, you're looking at like just stupid decisions made by you know, signing off on who's buying the clubs. How do you buy Man United, the highest or top two highest grossing football team, sports teams in the world, offer 75% leverage debt? Like, it's stupid. Yeah, that yeah. is probably one of the worst sign-offs that the FA or UEFA, whoever signed it off, that's probably one of the stupidest decisions that you could have ever seen. And back then, we we didn't really understand it, but we knew what they were doing was wrong. And now when we look back and we think about it, you know, being uh, a lot older than when they first bought the club, you start to understand how actually corrupt it is from the top to the bottom. I mean, we're talking this week we're talking about the ESL because it's something that's popped up and it's taken the world by storm. But if we look into it, if we look into it deeply, these issues have been there for years. For the past 20, 30 years, these issues have been there. You know, the rich lining their own pockets. They don't care about, you know, they sort of just push on this front of grassroots football. And I mean, look at the likes of Bury and Macclesfield. We couldn't even save two of our most established clubs in, you know, in the country. I went to Bury a few years ago, uh, Leicester away. I think we won, we won 4-2. Amazing, like, the, the atmosphere in there was amazing. Yeah. And now the club ceased to exist. Like, yeah, you've got, you see, this is where the, the whole, there's a flawed mentality Um See, look, obviously, the one thing that kind of pissed me off quite a lot was you've got a lot of these people that are complaining about what these top teams are doing, creating this new league, especially 
people that are based in the UK. Now let's deep this even further. This is pure um, far far right capitalist movement. You've yeah. created this democracy where these kind of things are acceptable to happen. And now let's deep this even further. You voted for a conservative party that are in favor for this kind of shit. And then when it came down to the other party, Labour Party, who they had Jeremy Corbyn, he was deemed as a bloody communist. And now when this thing, you know, kind of erupts the whole kind of footballing um, nature of it, you, you're kind of all, everyone's a bit topsy-turvy and saying, nah, this shouldn't happen. How does this make any sense? But your ideologies are based off a pure democratic kind of capitalist environment. So you are the one ultimately allowing this to happen. So it is ultimately our fault. You know, yeah. we have allowed these systems to come into place in our kind of day to day. Now let's flip this over to Germany. Germany from day have had this 50 plus one. When they they had the 2000 and I think 2002 or uh, 2006 World Cup or Euro. 2006. Yeah, the sixth World Cup. Yeah. They flopped, you know, they flopped. They, they restructured their whole league from top to bottom. They, they, you know, they wanted to go through a regeneration of players. You know, they wanted Germany to be a league where we are producing the top coaches from grassroots. We are playing a different style of football here. We are the most modern in terms of um, what type of style of football we're bringing out to Europe. And on top of that, we want to make it feasible for the likes of the average teams to buy our own German players. So that way we are mass producing from out of any league in, in Europe, the biggest talent coming out, you know, and obviously recently we've seen a few Germans go out big boy, big box money. But if you look at Germany over the years in terms of an international stage, they've been absolutely dominant. You know, Spain have had a massive lapse for a year. Germany are recently having a lapse, but Spain's lapse is huge. You can't see Spain kind of going back on this. Who, which, which new talent, Spanish talent, do you see? That's kind of a wow factor from when they had before. You know, they probably got like an Ansu Fati, but and, and how long has that taken them to get? You know, for yeah. the likes of Germany, you've got so many just still coming through. You know, you you can you could probably give it two years max, and you know they'll be top dog again. But it comes down to that whole structure. You know, they they allowed these kind of not a far-right capitalist movement, but where the government intervened as well. You know, so there was kind of a, a middle ground there. The fans had 50 plus one. I remember when Leipzig bought, I mean, Red Bull bought bloody Leipzig and they changed the name. That was the biggest hoo-ha yeah. ever in Germany. You know, they, they, they caused such a big fuss over it. Since then, Leipzig have, obviously, it's been quite a sustainable move. You know, they, they hated that. They didn't want any foreigners buying clubs and stuff like that. It's not how they move. Then they changed the name and they changed the bloody logo as well. Then changed the bloody stadium name on top of it. They done some Mike Ashley flex with that club. <laughs> and the, the 50 plus one rule, like the reason, so for example, for anybody listening who doesn't know the 50 plus one rule, 51% um, uh, of the club is owned or um, their rights fall to the fans. 49% can... If you want to play in the Bundesliga, your team cannot be owned more than 49% by any sort of private investor or any sort of corporation or anything like that. 51% must be to the fans. 
that leaves football in the hands of the people who care the most. The the corporation Red Bull don't give a crap. And sorry, I'm fasting. I'm trying not to say, but Red Bull don't give a crap about what happens. Okay, yeah, they give a they give a damn about what happens on the on the field because ultimately it's them protecting their investment. It them winning and them doing better on the pitch means they're getting more money off the pitch. Yeah, but they don't care about you know the ethos of the club. You know, you don't just go in and you don't just change a, a logo. You don't just change a team name. You don't rename St. James's Park to the Sports Direct Arena. That's not things you do. You shouldn't do that because that is, is, is long-standing tradition. You can't come into something. Okay, fair enough. They What they've done is they've made it sustainable. But the way we are set up right now in this country with the way the owners are taking control and, you know, they're doing whatever they want and um, they're clearly having these secret Illuminati-style meetings and hiding behind WhatsApp's encryption and stuff like that. It's it's not the way it should work. I think the power should be back in the in the fans' hands. and Because you, as a fan, you will not make a bad decision for your club because that is a club you will sweat you will bleed you will you know you will do anything for that club if i told you you got a decision to make for united you're going to sit there and you're going to think before you make a decision you're going to be like okay what will aid man united not it's not what will aid me because aiding man united is aiding you in your happiness whereas for them it's how can i get man united to aid man united to aid myself as in my pockets how do my pockets get lined the power needs to be back with the fans and it's it's better that we see this rule implemented but under a conservative government it's not going to happen um yeah i think i think there might have been like a lot of pressure from up above so obviously you've got the royal family you know like they're quite historical with a lot of their values and views in terms of yeah grassroots um, there, there are still a lot of traditions or kind of rules like 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 the three pm. Um, you know, yeah, those games Kick prior off. to the pandemic were supposed to be pub, uh, put on television. That is a rule that the Queen put herself. The reason being is she wanted everyone to go to stadiums and you know watch the game. They don't want people to sit at home, you know, that, and just watch the game from a television. So they wanted stadiums to be packed. They wanted to create that environment still there. So you know they've got kind of that kind of that, but you're right this this can't be the end of the fight you know yeah we've stopped the ESL we this needs to carry on you know this push needs to carry on like certain owners need to be kicked out like if one leaves one sells um you might see others starting to sell up as well and if they start hearing more and more rumors in terms of political rumors from this 50 plus one now they're going to be start thinking this is not feasible for me anymore you know so then they're going to start looking for buyers anyway and that's probably good and then I don't know how they would change it, though, is in obviously because teams, some people have 100% ownership. So how would you implement a 50 plus one into certain of these clubs unless you do some China flex and go full on dictatorship mode and just be like, I, I, <laughs> I'm taking 50% of plus one of this club. You do whatever you want. <laughs> or just come in and dilute all their shares. Be like, here you go. <laughs> whatever you own well, this, is this now owned. Like China, China do bits, you know, these kind, these kind of things. Yeah. 
it would never happen there, because really, there's so much government rule and control. But because they're kind of more towards this left wing, where they kind of think for the bigger picture in terms of all and as equal, they yeah. would always have that kind of um, good ideology of thinking. It's like when that when there was that phase where you seen a lot of unsustainable spending in from China, so they were buying all these players. Within a couple of years, they're captive. They stopped all. Yeah. Of it. They stopped it all of it. They're like, nah, we we don't want any of this stuff, you know, going on in in our country. So they stopped it straight up. So you've got some of these players that are there, and now there's now they've released this new thing of like a salary cap, of like hundred thousand or something like that. So we got people like ridiculous like Oscar earning like four hundred k a week. So you know they, these things obviously they've just implemented from the government. You know they it's kind of helped in that sense, but in a kind of a democratic kind of uh, environment you know it's I don't, I don't know how they're gonna i don't know how you would go about doing this because yeah you've got the premier league teams that are owned but you've got championship teams that are owned that owned as well now yeah you've got the whole kind of um setup so how how do you do it i don't know it is it's gonna be one of the trickiest things if they want to implement it I don't see it happening for a while if it does. Yeah. Um, simply just because it's, <laughs> again, unless you somehow turn the UK into a dictatorship, there's no real way. I mean, what did the question is, how did Germany implement this? You know, um, did they yeah, force each club to dilute? Ahead of the curve, though, aren't they? they I think, yeah. It, like a long time ago, before. That's German efficiency, though, isn't it? Well, this is it, and they just kind of maintained it. That's 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 just what it was, you know. They've never changed it from from there. But but another another thing I'd like to see implemented is salary caps. I'd like to see transfer caps. I'd like to see agent fee caps. I they it needs to be regulated now. These FFP was the lamest excuse of regulation that we had on finance in football that that could have happened this financial it, fair play was it was it's pathetic like you've seen the neymar transfer seen the mbappe transfer mbappe went on loan for a year and then and then yeah after the year then they bought him how the hell are you doing that the greatest talent the biggest talent in world football, you've loaned him from a, a a fellow French team, and then and then now you're gonna pay him. So they fixed the price today, but I'm gonna pay you in a year. So he's gonna get better in a year, but I'm gonna pay. But you're you. gonna get last year's rate. Yeah, I'm gonna pay you today's price. How does that make any sense? <laughs> Why, as an owner, would you even do agree to any of that? Even even if even if that money's going in your pocket. You're a mug. So they obviously there's some backhand dealings going on there, isn't it? That's the only way. And obviously these kind of things, yeah, you're right. Ultimately stems from UEFA and kind of FIFA. It's 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 just from day one it's been corrupt. It needs a kind of total restructure of how it kind of operates. Until you kind of don't eliminate some of these oldies that have been there for donkeys of years, none of this will ever change. I think that's that's one thing that will as football fans, we need to stick together and do now. I think what we've seen in this past three, four days, past 72 hours, 
the reaction not just from not just from the likes of Gary Neville and you know the ex players Jamie Carragher and then you know the pundits and um the journalists and whoever was involved but the fans more importantly and the younger fans you know we actually stood up and we spoke twitter became like it was wildfire yeah these 12 clubs were like the most wanted people on the planet and i mean is i i'm not calling for a witch hunt of you know people and uh people who work in uefa or fifa or any sort of heads of football teams and any owners but what what i want is for fans to stick together and ask for accountability you know if you fucked up you fucked up yeah take accountability for it rectify your mistakes don't just say we are withdrawn from the esl or we have done this or we are entering the champions league once again whatever no things have to be rectified from the top to the bottom and we need to push for this because if the fans don't say anything and we sit quiet like how we have done for the past 8 9 10 years we're not going to see any change happen and ultimately it starts from the bottom and it affects every little rung of the ladder going up all the way to the top and unless we don't stick together and we don't make these changes and we don't make our voices heard and we don't scream and shout for what's right we're not going to see what's right and that's that's one good thing we've seen from these past few days and i i hope to god it continues cuz let's be honest rivalries aside we all love the same game it's the same game we all watch these 22 men kicking around a stupid little ball into the back of the net but for some reason we love it yeah it's the same game whether you're wearing a united top an arsenal top ce liverpool it's the same game we got we have to stick together we have to do what's right for our game and then when we're playing each other we can cuss each other out and call each other shitbags or whatever we want to do but for the time being there needs to be some sort of resilience with the fans um and it's good what we've seen but long may it continue hopefully 100%. I think that kind of uh, premises of just keep going in terms of protests and stuff it kind of you, you can just take it throughout as in not just football just throughout any kind of um, matter whether it's political whatever it is just in day-to-day life it has to continue you know you can't just the more kind of um, obviously we're going to go off tangent here now but social media starts intervening the more kind of time you spend on a phone the the less kind of um or the more distant you get from society um and you know you kind of get that terminology of just a keyboard warrior or just people don't really care about what's going on from elsewhere you know because they just feel like their voice is not heard yeah i mean it's easy to get sucked into the echo chamber which is like twitter and instagram and so on and live your life vicariously through a avatar of i don't know mesazel and you know have a nothing name and be anonymous but at the end of the day you got to understand what's happening around you and you know 
say uh, speak up when you know when something's not wrong whether it's football or whatever um you gotta speak up and social media it's got its good points and it's got its bad points i think this weekend we've seen a bit of both we've seen um we've seen the good side of you know the fans coming together and you know all that sort of stuff but then you see the bad side of how some of these how people are falling so easily and people are such passengers and like yeah but it doesn't really matter it's fine you know ultimately you can't just sit there and let life pass you by if there's something wrong it needs to be called out and we're talking about football in this case but it applies to anything really um you know cases like the whole black lives matter thing that's a big thing in social media without social media we wouldn't have seen you know the widespread protests or the widespread um coverage of any of the cases going on it, social media is amazing for what it does but it also has its drawbacks so you got to find the right balance i think and another thing seeing players come out and speak out on on social media was one of the one of the better things to happen this weekend um you know jordan henderson you know uh hector bellerin posted up podens put up a post bruno a proper post um raheem sterling put his okay bye uh, you know it it was good to see that the players have an opinion and i think we need to see that more because um players are losing a lot of their a lot of their character and I, i'd like to see their character back and social media does that um so yeah let's just hope it hope we keep going in the right direction arsenal have a arsenal fans have organized a nice little um protest this friday at 6 p.m. still contemplating whether i go um i might just turn up but i take half day from work and go turn up wait but i pardon it's not going to it's not going to happen if you're not there would you you have to back the cause bro after back the cause i might i legit i might just turn up there's one going on on saturday as well 3 p.m. old trafford where's this old trafford it needs to happen man they've been, well, they've been trending the glazers they made it trend all day today so it's uk national that that movement so i think there's going to it's going to be like the old school the greens the, you know the the green and yellow scarves yellow scarf yeah that's all going to it's all going to restart again now just because of what they what they've done you think is no one everyone hates them anyway but over recent years we've just let them slide because um they've just been quiet they've not done anything um and 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 that's it you know they've just not done anything so we've kind of just let them slide but the hatred's always been there but now they've just rekindled the fire and they've, then they've come out and they've come out like recently and then this statement with Joel Glazer such a generic bullshit statement of him just apologizing saying that I understand the club and the values of the club no you don't because you've just burnt the club for the last 12 whatever 13 14 years of you owning this club maybe even more you know so you don't understand anything so why are you there gassing out your ass that's what infuriated i think that's what infuriated everyone even so much more because it's just i mean if if we're saying in there and it's just like 
you don't understand anything because of what you've done from your past actions. So why are you chatting out your ass? That's it. It's, they, they're trying to save face. I mean, looking at Twitter right now, just checked. Glazers out is trending and so is uh, KSC out. The Cronkay Sports Entertainment is out is trending as well. But they come out with these bullshit. Oh, um, I understand I have gone against, you know, what the fans think and all this bullshit that the lawyers write up for them. And like you said, it's, it's all, it's, it, at the end of the day, it's bullshit. Your actions are spoken louder than words. You basically tried to leverage my club for the betterment of your pocket. That's ultimately what you've tried to do. You've tried to destroy everything I look forward to. And don't get me wrong, as much as Arsenal is shit, I will still look forward to a weekend because I get to watch Arsenal. Yeah? I get to put my shirt on, I get to put my scarf on, I get to sit there and I get to watch the club that I love. Yeah. And they try to they try to diminish everything that that has been built for these past hundred years. Yeah, yeah 100%. And they think that it's okay to just put on a generic, you know, lawyer written statement by some yeah. little guy in a suit who doesn't know. You need Arsene Wenger. Head to toe. Pardon? You need Arsene Wenger to buy the club. So we got How's he gonna buy the club, man? We need well, Jose Mourinho's got bare money after all those. Uh, he's the real winner this weekend, you know. He's the I real winner this weekend. That that he's there was that Chelsea one, he didn't take a payout then as well. He rejected the compensation, yeah. He only reported fair, got, fair enough, yeah. Like his, his contracts, his money is lived up to his. Uh, reputation and obviously what he's achieved so you know that's the kind of value that he's got um, but yeah it's just quite unfortunate that he has to get kind of sacked every time he doesn't, doesn't get resigned or doesn't resign or anything. yeah but I, the reason why I say he's a real winner is because I'll give him the benefit of the doubt as much as I hate the twat um, to go up and put your job on the line and speak out against something that you don't believe in is something you wouldn't see anybody else doing and we didn't see anybody else doing and daniel levy took on took the perfect time to to get rid of him and only reportedly according to jamie redknapp's leaked whatsapp messages only cost him about four to five million pounds um but even still that's us we need more of that we need more of the manager like the managers playing for the the crest as well. Ultimately, you're not just there to do a job. You're not Big Sam coming in to save a team. You know, you're not just there for a six months of conman. You're there to manage a team. You fall in love with the team. You understand what the, you know, you you go full Bielsa. You understand what the the fans want and what the fans need, and you understand what the club was built on, and. You know, you look back at the legends. I mean, like Matt Busby's um, quote put up on in the strap. But then doesn't mean shit to these owners, but it means yeah. it means the world to the fans and to the players, and you know, to to Oli because Oli was an ex-player. I know you you know for a fact him, Arteta, Klopp, Pep Guardiola, clearly Jose Mourinho. And I don't know about Thomas Tuchel. I don't know much about him. 
but I'm sure the six six of them are feeling sick to their stomach with the way things went, you know, with he's, all the news stories coming out. Tushu was German, so he's probably going to be one of them. <laughs> he's definitely yeah. sick to his stomach, yeah. So, you know, that's what I want to see more of, like, you know, even Pep coming out and saying what he said, without competitive integrity, the, the league is nothing, and, you know, Jose going out and speaking against and. You see the stories coming out of Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw, you know, basically threatening. And one good thing you forgot to mention, Ed Woodward, the rat that existed in Manchester. Yeah. So this, is, this is one of the positivities that um, has come out of it. But obviously he's resigning at the end of the year, so 2021. Um, so the Glazers, he was key to them actually signing uh, or buying the club. Um, and obviously he had a backward role at that point and then obviously David Gill left to join permanently uh, FIFA um, and then obviously he took over that role but these two have never been apart from one another um, that's why I potentially think that they're probably given him probably to or they're probably said to the end of the year find a new fight and we're probably going to call it quits here because he's, he's probably thought that I can't be bothered with this now anymore. You know, this, I've, I've earned too much money. My life's at risk. I'm probably the one of the most hated person in the UK. Um, you know, and I just want to kind of dip out now. That's it. So he's probably made a executive decision, personal decision to kind of just leave. And obviously, in fact, with these guys, they're probably thinking we're stuffed now because you were yeah. the guy getting you know, you were the face, you were getting a lot of the hatred for probably decisions that we were making. So now they're probably thinking, you know what, if you're going to go, then we need to go as well. So that's what I'm hoping that, you know, that that's the kind of model that they go for and they kind of leave. But what you don't want is one evil going for another. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a tough one, but I think that I think what you've seen from the, the Arabs, I think, um, especially the Man City, um, you know, they they re revitalized that whole area, you know, that was proper shithole prior to that, you know, that area where Man City Stadium is, you know, where the training ground is. It was like it needed huge redevelopment. They've built football grounds there. They've poured so much into that area. You know, they're they're forward thinking. You know, they are yeah. sustainable in how they want to operate. They want to make sure that their presence is felt in the area. You know, we are not here. It's like the Leicester owners. We are not here just to be the owners of the club. We want to kind of, we want to be felt, or we want you guys to feel us from the ground. You know, we want to yeah. understand that we are doing something for you guys as well. Ultimately, the benefits are there for them. You know, their branding or their marketing or their reputation gets much bigger from but ultimately the goal is still is still a good goal you know what they've achieved and i think obviously the the other arabs that are trying to well better their name for in in the world are the saudis you know because at the moment they're they're not it's the ones that are kind of taken in the good side at the moment you know so they've they've obviously been rumored quite a lot to buy newcastle i think was one for a long time i think to pick them up I think there was another another team that was in and around that north area to pick buy them up as well, you know. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they come into the Premier League, you know, and try and pick something up. Yeah, I think 
but the thing, Americans are toxic, so they're not ones. Yeah, we need to get rid of the Americans firstly. And I think as much as we, we laugh and we joke and we call it oil money and we say this and that, the way um, Sheikh Mansoura, Man City is, you know, you see like little touches of class, like him buying that FA Cup trophy that was on sale and donating it to the National Football Museum and just little things like that, you know, they show that he does, okay, I mean, he might be doing it for show, but to on the face value, it looks like he cares. And you see the development and some will call it gentrification, but you see the development of that area in and around the Etihad Stadium or the Manchester City Stadium, whatever it's called before. The that area has has changed. You know, the, the socioeconomic changes that have happened in that area are solely through the influx of money that have has come from him building a better team, you know, cafes and restaurants and the ice cream man and this, that, the other, all around the area, you know, amenities are being used even more. He's built a stadium. Granted, it's not all his fault. There's some blue seats all is showing here and there. Um, but even still, it it helps the wider area. Um, I mean, look at Leicester. I go to every every home game and you see like the local shops are full. The Nando's is full. The area is getting better. They're rebuilding. I mean, they're donating to hospitals. Um, those are the kind of owners we want to see. So hopefully it's not one evil out, one evil in. Um, hopefully, you know, we get some sort of angelic owners if they are to, if the Glazers and the Cronkies and the Fox sports groups and whoever else are set to leave. But I don't think, I don't think Liverpool will be sold. Not with the recent, uh, what's it called? Injection of funds of like 450 million or whatever. Um, don't think that's going to be sold. So the hope is that both Arsenal and Man United are sold. Um, so Sheikh Maktoum and Mohammed bin Salman <laughs> come through, man. <laughs> we already have the Emirates sign. We don't mind you turning uh, Hornsey Road into Mini Dubai. Just come through, man. <laughs> Episode, thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, let us know what you think in the comments. Um, did you agree with the with the European Super League? Did you not agree? Are you going to continue to fight for what's right for your football club and for your local area? Um, let us know and uh, give us more topics. What you want to hear us talk about? Any thoughts that you have? Um, you know, they we're on YouTube, Spotify. Um, check us out all over the place. Follow our Twitter, our personal Twitters as well. Um. And yeah, until uh, next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. Please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to leave a review on the various podcast platforms. We'll see you next time.